It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everyone, it's Ron Johnson. This is the Ron Johnson Show. I cannot believe what happened this weekend. The best thing about this weekend, it happened on a Saturday. So everybody got to relax on a Monday. I mean, you get to relax on a Monday because you already partied it up on a Sunday. You don't have to sit here Monday and talk about everything that happened on Saturday because you got most of it out of your system on Sunday. That's how football should be. Even if it is played on Sunday, for NFL fans, Monday should be a holiday where you do not have to go to work. You can sit in the bed and watch more football or just relax because the Vikings football team is crazy. But we have to talk about this game, the Vikings. Ah, shit. Nope, I got it wrong. I wrote it down wrong. Wait, 3-2, here we go. 3-2. Hey, everyone, it's Ron Johnson. This is the Ron Johnson Show. We have to talk about this weekend. Vikings, Colts, it's history. And Kirk Cousins did it twice. There's been 24-point comebacks, and one quarterback did it twice. Kirk Cousins. Is he the best quarterback in comeback history? Probably not, because you're going to give it to Tom Brady. But does he deserve a seat at the table? We're going to talk about that next in the Ron Johnson Show. We're also going to cover the things that we saw in this game that just made us go, whoa, Kevin O'Connell might have figured it out. Or is Kevin O'Connell going to become what they've always been? Because every Vikings fan is always thinking, what can happen next? Coming up on the Ron Johnson Show. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now the Ron Johnson Show. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. He's played with them, hung out with them, and grown up with all the big names in Minnesota sports. They're hanging out with Ron Johnson. It's the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. And it starts now. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ron Johnson, and it's a beautiful Monday, but not because of the weather, not because the sun is out. No, because the Minnesota Vikings are NFC North champions. Everybody was hoping, because this is the thing. I don't know if you guys watched, but the Lions, the Lions found a way to win again. The Lions won again, so that meant... If the Vikings had lost to the Colts, there'd be another week where the Vikings would have had to wait to become NFC North champs. Just like I said, I said the Lions are going to figure this out. They might get into the playoffs. Their 21% chance of getting the playoffs just went up. I don't know what, I think it's 31% now. It keeps going up every time they win and every time teams lose, they need to lose. Giants, Reds, or uh, sorry, Commanders played. They knew that the Lions needed that. Because now another team in the NFC has gotten knocked down a peg, Lions at 7-7. Seven and seven. If they can win two more games, the Lions might end up being in the playoffs and traveling to Minneapolis to play the NFC North champion Minnesota Vikings. But this game, this game had so many moments in it that you just, you just had to sit back and be like, man, you know, for that 67,000 uh, group of people that were in those stands plus the media members, I mean, you guys just witnessed history. There's never been a team to come back from 33 points down, and the Minnesota Vikings have done it. I know when you work 
for Minnesota or you live in Minnesota, you just feel like you're a part of something. But you have to look at other teams in the NFL. Nobody's had as many moments, I feel like personally, than the Vikings. The Buffalo Bills have, but the wrong way. Four Super Bowls, they lost. <laughs> That's not the way to do it. But the Minnesota Vikings, you got the miracle. You got the Buffalo Bill game that everybody keeps talking about and the Justin Jefferson catch. You got the 33-point comeback. I mean, the Minnesota Vikings have put out some great moments. Now, we, we do know there's the immaculate reception with the Steelers. My dad was part of, part of that team in, in those conversations. But the Minnesota Vikings, man, you guys, for, for, for a fan base that, that is constantly feeling like, ah, uh, uh, we, 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 we get killed every year or, or it's so tough to be a Vikings fan, you've been blessed with some great moments. But we're going to talk about this game because there's three. Of course, it's three because I'm number three. There's three takeaways. There's three takeaways from this game that I have to talk about. But before we do that, I want you to remember, download, go to your TV. If you have an Amazon Fire app, if you have a Roku, just go download the app. It's Locked On Sports Minnesota. That's Locked On Sports Minnesota. Just search for the app, download it. It'll come right up on your screen. You can click it, and then you're right into our app. You can get all of our shows, all of our videos, see all of our faces. You can see my Grinch t-shirts for the week. I can't wear a Grinch shirt every week. But I got a lot of Grinch shirts because my family, they call me the Grinch. Not because I want to ruin Christmas, just because, like, I don't like spending money. I'm cheap. So people are like, oh, you're, you're not the holiday cheer guy. No, I don't want to put up lights. I don't really think I need to put up a tree that early. Like, I'm fine with putting up a tree on the 23rd. But this is not about me and the Grinch. So I'm not going to go into that. But as we bring Sam Exum to the show, Sam, I have three takeaways from the game this week. Mm-hmm. And you tell me your thoughts on this. My first yeah. takeaway Sam, because everybody wanted to figure out how to uh, fire Ed Donatel. And I, and I wasn't a proponent of fire. And I said, with Mike Pettin on that, on that staff, there has to be a way for Mike Pettin to be able to call uh, the plays, because he's done it as a defense coordinator at a high level really well. But Ed Donatel, my first takeaway is Ed, Tana, Ed Donatel found a way. He found a way, people. I don't know what he did. I don't know if Mike Pettin helped him out, but he did get up to the quarterback a little bit. He did blitz a little bit i mean now matt ryan can't run so that's an easy decision as if i'm a defensive coordinator like if there's any week i'm a blitz this is the week because matt ryan can't run out of sight in two days so you can let him go like he reminds me of of one of those movies where where, where the guy with the with the great shot with a gun says all right take off running and he sits down you know has a drink at a bar feels like one of those old westerns you know what i'm talking about he says take off and the guy runs out the bar the saloon doors are shaking and then he sits down, has him a drink, looks at a couple people, winks at the gal, flicks a, a, a doubloon, because that's back in the day, flicks a doubloon at the bartender, gets up with his gun, goes out there. Dude's now been running for about five, ten minutes, and he's still within sight of this of this sheriff's uh, range. Pow, shoots him. <laughs> and then he comes back into the bar and finishes his drink. Like, that's where Matt Ryan falls for me with speed. Like, I feel like Matt Ryan, you could <laughs> let him run, and you could sit down and have a drink. You could have an appetizer. You can get up, get your scope out, and Matt Ryan is still in your sights. And so if I'm a defensive coordinator, that's how I, f- I would have felt this week. But Ed Donatel, here's some stats for you, Sam, to kind of chew on. Yep. He didn't allow a 100-yard rusher this game. He didn't allow a 100-yard receiver this game. He didn't even allow not a 300-yard quarterback. He didn't allow a 200-yard passer this game. Two Under 200 yards passing. We were killing him for – 
week after week after week of allowing a 300-yard passer. Not only did Kirk Cousins throw for 460, and that's what's so crazy about this game. Kirk threw for 460, and that's not even one of my takeaways because it just feels so like, that's Kirk. Like, I'm, I'm no longer putting Kirk in this like, whoa. Like, Kirk, you, we know you could throw for 400 yards. Like, the coach coaches I hung out with, Cato June, Reggie Wayne, Ron Miles, the DB coach, they all said it. Cato June said it on our show. Kirk Cousins can make all the throws if you give him time. And that's every quarterback, but not really. Because there's some quarterbacks you can give them all the time in the world, and they still can't make the throw, Zach Wilson. So if you think about this, if you think about what this team did, Ed Donatel, he found a way, Sam. I don't know. What do you think about that one? I think he deserves a lot of credit for the second half, where it's not like the Colts gave him the ball. I mean, the Colts weren't running it every single time. They still tried to pass. Um, mm-hmm. And even late into that game, they were passing a, a decent amount, and the Vikings were were stopping them almost every time. How many first downs do you think the Colts had in the second half? Three, four? That's a small number. Uh, I think that from what I read, the Vikings brought pressure 12 times in the second half and really forced mm-hmm. Matt Ryan's hand. Uh, they forced a fumble at one point on Matt Ryan, couldn't recover it. Uh, they forced him to throw one kind of straight up in the air that could have been intercepted. They gave themselves chances to get some more takeaways in that second half, but I, I thought that they rattled him, and I really felt in that second half like the defense was absolutely going to get it done. I actually had faith in them in the second half, which is a, a weird feeling, which I haven't had for this defense in a while. Um, so maybe that unlocked something with Ed Donatel, like, hey, this works. Whatever I was doing, like playing with that kind of desperation and not being afraid that we're going to get passed on if we blitz, uh, maybe that will help him play call in a more normal game, you know, going forward here the last three weeks. Yeah, when you look at it, Donatel, and you bought that up with the first downs, third quarter, they only allowed three first downs. Fourth quarter, mm-hmm. they only allowed three first downs. The magic number is three. It was a Ron Johnson type of day. Um, you look at the Vikings. 10 first downs in the third quarter, unheard of for them, and 13 in the fourth. 13 in the fourth. That's 23 to 6 first down ratio. That's ridiculous. I mean, that's what it takes to come back from 33 points down. And so all that goes to Ed Donatel. Ed Donatel only gave up one touchdown the entire game. There was a pump block. That was a touchdown out on him. There was a pick six. That's a touchdown out of him. And I'm sorry for the people that follow me on Twitter. I apologize because at that moment in the game, I tweeted out uh, because I think everything had went wrong at that point. There was the pump block. There was a fumble. And so I just tweeted out like, man, what's the worst that could happen? And everybody, of course, like, dude, don't ever do that. This is the Minnesota Vikings. Worst can happen. And I said, well, at least there hasn't been a safety and there hasn't been an interception. That was my tweet. Go back and look at it. It's three Ron Johnson on Twitter. I said there hadn't been a safety. And there hadn't been an interception, so you guys are good to go. Two minutes later, (laughs) there was an interception. My Twitter mentions got flamed. Like, everybody was tweeting jinx, all this other, like, it's my fault. You put this into the air. And honestly, I was just trying to find some positives because, like, Luke Braun, for instance, negative as hell. We know Luke Braun is negative. He's tweeting pictures of Daniil Hunter in a Packers jersey and all this other crap. Like, negative. So I was trying not to be that guy. I was trying to, you know, like, because I was literally speechless when I saw the score keep going up and up and up, and the Vikings couldn't score, couldn't move the ball. And so then after that uh, fumble, I think, or the punt block, and then the, uh, the, the, the Vikings get backed up into, you know, the punt. They force a punt, sorry. And that's when I was like, oh, you know what? Here we go. 
They have a chance. And then I'm like, oh, wait, they're on the two-yard line? And I'm like, well, nope, they'll run the ball, they'll run the ball, and then they'll, you know, they'll punt. Nope, pick six. And the pick six, people, we can break that down in the next segment as well, but it was a little bit on Jalen Rager, I have a feeling, because uh, when he stops and hooks up, it's zone covered, so there's no reason to move. You you uncover when it's man. You sit when it's zone. It was zone, and he moved Kirk through it to where he was, not to where he was going, because there was no reason to run, because the two linebackers were in zone. And so that was just a, a, a misunderstanding of coverage. Uh, Jalen Rager being new, so people have to remember that. He is new, so understanding the coverage uh, play, which is hook, if it's man, uncover meaning there's a guy on my back now uncover well if it's zone there's no reason to uncover because nobody's on your back so you hook up and then you just play basketball and you post up the guy the linebacker within your area behind you Jalen Rager if he stays there he catches that and he gets hit in the back okay let's move the you know move the change or have a chance to get a first down nope he moves ball goes right to the DB that's in, in coverage there playing zone and you know and then people flame my tweets uh but when you, when you think about that, think about this defense. Ed Donatel gave everything he could. He did his job. He, he red zone. I think it was like one for four in the red zone. He gave up five field goals. You know what I mean? Like it, it was it was all fifteen points were field goals. Like his defense was bending but not breaking. He wasn't giving up big chunk plays. DBs weren't getting beat deep. So whatever they did to keep it simpler and get after the quarterback, they did it. Now it didn't look great because of the pick six and the pump block. You take those two out of there. The Vikings probably come back in the third quarter. Like, I think the third quarter would have been their comeback because it wouldn't have been as bad. Like, who knows? Again, butterfly effect. But you can't give up 33 points. Sorry, you can't. Uh, what, what did I tweet? You, there's no way to, to, to uh, allow history to be made if you don't give up 33 points. So Kevin O'Connell, he was a mental Next giant level. there. He's like, hey. 40 he's, chess. He's thinking, thinking past. Exactly. He's thinking past where you guys are going. He's like, let's give up 33 points because I'm ready to make history. But Kirk Cousins, my second takeaway, Kirk Cousins back-to-back 400 yards, 400-yard games, four TDs, four different receivers, mounted the biggest comeback in NFL history, third quarter. Their third quarter before this game was absolutely atrocious, and we know that. When you look at their third quarter offense before this game, they only had 222 plays, which is 29th. 8.7 yards to go per play, that was 32nd. 3.3 yards per play, that's 31st. 18.9 yards, first down to touchdown, that's 29th. And 2.7% uh, of the plays were turnovers, that's 31st. I've said that, I think, before on, on the, uh, the football party and the round table. The third quarters have been bad. This third quarter for Kirk, 127 yards, 145 passer rating. That's the key there. 10 first downs. 10. 10 first downs in the third quarter and two touchdowns. Kirk Cousins was on fire. Like, he came out saying, you know what? I got to win this. I got to will this. And K.J. Osborne, he gets the ball the, the, the ball of the game for me. I mean, he his his plays in that third quarter got the guys going again. But, but what are your thoughts on that, Sam? Yeah, well, this is how efficient the Vikings were in the second half. First of all, Kirk mm -hmm. Cousins had over 400 yards after halftime. This was not yeah. a – four-quarter, 400 yards. This was a basically three, if you include overtime, a three-quarter, uh, 200 or 400-yard effort. That's how dominant he was. He willed the team to victory, like KOC said. And consider this. I brought this up on Superior Sports Talk this morning. The Vikings were so good on early downs that over the course mm -hmm. of that entire comeback run, when they would have gone for it you know, in, in most situations on fourth down, they didn't have to convert a single fourth down because they were moving the ball on first and second down. 
They didn't have any fourth downs except for one. Late in the game, fourth and 15, Kurt tried to scramble and got tackled. But they didn't have to actually convert a fourth down for the entirety of that comeback. How crazy is that? And I think that the third downs are pretty low, too. I think they only had about six um, in the entire comeback. So that, to me, just, just demonstrates that, number one, the offensive line was protecting. I, mean, they, I know they gave up seven sacks in the game, so like the bottom line looks bad. But Kirk Cousins had a lot of time in key moments in that second half where he could drop back, get through his progressions. Think about the two-point conversion. Like, Ed Ingram on that play, he was absolutely destroying his guy. How, how important mm-hmm. is that, that two-point conversion, Ron? And Kirk Cousins got to, like, his third or fourth read on the play. So I, I give Kirk a ton of credit for hanging in there on a day when he was, he was up against it in the first half, whether it's Rager's fault or not. Kirk's got a, a pick six to his name, um, taking sacks, no confidence, and then he flips it around minutes later. Really impressive yeah. on his part. Um, yeah, I give him a lot of props. And my last takeaway, and I alluded to it already, K.J. Osborne, he's my third takeaway. He gets the game ball for me. Um, his, his, his effort, awesome. Kirk Cousins, 460 yards, awesome. But there's the thing. 10 catches, 157 yards, one touchdown, 16 uh, targets. Uh, this was his first 100-yard game. This was his first 100-yard game in purple at halftime. K.J. Osborne had two catches for 16 yards, five targets. 11 more targets in the second half turned into eight more catches and a lot of yards, a lot of yards, 141 yards in the second half. 141 yards in the half. Like, that is crazy when you think about how much production was needed to hit that number. So K.J. Osborne gets it for me. K.J. Osborne now, and and people are going to start having this conversation. I'm looking forward to it on on Vikings Game Day Live this week. On our show, even, we can bring this up. K.J. Osborne is vying for wide receiver two. Like, I, I think he gets a serious nod and look at wide receiver two. I get Adam Thielen, and I love Adam Thielen. He's a friend of mine, great guy, done a lot for me uh, over the last eight years doing this show and and doing other stuff. But like K.J. Osborne, you can't deny the same way Adam Thielen knew, like, okay, I got to give the nod to Stephon Diggs, or I got to give the nod to Justin Jefferson. It's almost time to give the nod to K.J. Osborne because when you see his speed, and this is the thing, I think a healthy Adam Thielen, we wouldn't even be questioning this. Adam Thielen is not healthy. You can tell by how he runs. You can tell how when he gets tackled, the grimace, how how long it takes him sometimes to get up after a tackle, how he limps after mm-hmm. every hit now. Um, he's not 100% healthy. And that's everybody, though. Darius Smith is not healthy. De- healthy. Daniil Hunter is not healthy. Harrison Smith is not healthy. Like, this is what football is about in week 15, 16, and 17. It's who can limp across the finish line. It's like Ricky Bobby. Your car might have broke down, but you got to run. And, and 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 who cares if it doesn't count? Run. You and the Frenchman. Run to the finish line. And whoever wins, <laughs> wins. Like, you get out your car and run. And that's what this is about. Like, their bodies are their cars. And, and at some point, they abandon their body, and they're just mentally out there just going in autopilot. And that's where Adam Thielen is right now, I think. It's just, hey, I got to get through week by week. Uh, I'm going to do just enough. He's still a legit weapon in the red zone. Uh, but K.J. Osborne in the open field, K.J. Osborne, some of his route running, his speed, uh, he even said it, that deep over. He said early in the game they had run it, and he got covered. And then he said he knew that if they got the look where a linebacker covered him, 
that was the look. And he said that once he realized there's a linebacker, he beat him over the top and then beat him with speed. And Kirk threw a, a dime. And, and that's when it kind of the momentum started. And you, you, he tweeted out the picture of him kind of yelling at the, at the crowd, kind of trying to get the crowd back going. And even the crowd, even being down by 33, every catch in the second half or third quarter, the crowd was still cheering like, okay, we can do this. There's a chance. One touchdown, two touchdowns, three touchdowns, four. And they're like, oh, man, we're back in this. Felt like a nursery rhyme coming. And now we're going to kick in the door. Like, I don't know. But Sam, what do you think about like KJ Osborne? <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think about KJ Osborne? Uh, Osborne, Osborne was great. Um, and KOC said after the game, like, or no, his Cousins actually. Cousins said he could do that every week. Like, if we gave him yeah. more opportunities – he could, he could make those plays on a regular basis. And I think they're running into the inevitable, which is Thielen getting older, wearing down, and needing to eventually replace him. And I, with the way the contracts work out, I'm not sure if it's, if it's next year that that officially happens or the year after. Um, but Osborne's a piece you want to, to hang around here, and he's got one more year left on his deal. Uh, underrated play for Osborne, Ron, in this game? Late in overtime. Uh, the coaches talked about this. A tie wins them the division. So they didn't necessarily need to score the field goal if they just wanted to clinch the division, get out of there with a tie. And there was a second down with a minute 11 to go, 15 yards to Osborne. But that doesn't tell the whole story. He caught the ball in the flat, and then he blasted his way through a couple of Colts, gained yards after the catch, got up around the 40. And I think that's when it kicked in for the Vikings that, all right, we're going to go win this thing. If things had gone badly, if they had faced like a tough third down, I think they waved the white flag. I think they, they play for a tie. But Osborne's catch and run in overtime allowed them to go for the win. So of his 10 catches, I guess he had a lot of big ones. That was one of the biggest ones mm -hmm. in terms of winning the football game in OT. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and not only did that help the win and KJ, like I said, KJ Osborne, that, it was moment after moment. And that was a huge one because a lot of times I think that was a thought because when he punted, uh, everybody was trying to figure that out. Like, why don't you just kick the field goal? It's like, no, because you if you kick the field goal there and you miss, you're giving them a short field and they only need a little bit to get a first down. And we've seen the Vikings get burned in the past by doing that, by kicking field goals, missing them, and then giving the other team a short field. And everybody goes back and second guesses the coach. Oh, why did you push punt it there? Why would you kick a field goal from there? Your field goal kicker's not that great. Blah, 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 blah. Here and this and this. Like, at some point, you got a coach. And Kevin O'Connell coached to his best of ability. And this is the thing with Kirk. I mean, he's becoming a quarterback, and it is becoming an offense where it's like, you left too much time on the clock. Like, this is becoming a you left too much time on the clock type of quarterback. Let's not forget, the last time somebody was down 24 points and won, it was the Washington team, Kirk Cousins, and that was the you like that moment. So Kirk Cousins has this in him. And now he has a team that's winning, 11-3, and three, NFC North champs, going to the playoffs for sure. Just where they're going to be, who knows, what seed they're going to get, but they're in the playoffs. They got the Giants. They got the Bears and they got the Packers, or Packers and then the Bears. Bears look really good against the Eagles. Packers not so much. And then you might get the Lions because if they win out, you're playing the Lions in the playoffs. So... This is a team. You can't overlook them. You can't, you can't feel like um, the Vikings, because they're about frauds, and you see all the tweets at 33-0, frauds, and oh, I'll give them the change back. Where are the haters at now? 
Kirk Cousins' wife. I, I got to go to that one too before we get out of here. Kirk Cousins' wife. The outfit she picked out for him this week. Like, I know in her mind, she's probably thinking like, okay, the Colts is an easy game. She's thinking it too. She's human. Colts is an easy game, babe. Go out there. Kill him with this. Kill him with this, babe. Like, this is going to kill him this week because you're, you're going to go out there and be Mr. Minnesota. You're going to be NFC North champs. Kirk looks at that jacket like, babe, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if this is the one. And she's like, you got this. You got this, babe. You got this. Just like, uh, what's his name? Lawrence Fishburne when he looked at uh, Neo. You're the one. Go out there and wear this. And at 33 nothing, Kirk's probably sitting there like, God dang it, I got that stupid jacket in my – like, I can't – I'm not even – he would have went shirtless, I think, in the press conference just to not wear that jacket or just wear the shirt because you can't wear that jacket after losing. Like, that's not how we just got blown out. Like, even if they scored two touchdowns, 33 to 14 or 36 to 14, I can't wear this damn jacket on the press on – the, on the podium, babe. But they won. And so he got to wear the jacket, and he got to tell the story. That's what makes this even better. Like, the fact that you know he's not wearing that jacket if they lose the game. Like, there's no way you wear a Minnesota Vikings custom suit jacket with Minnesota. Like, it matched the backdrop of the presser wall. Like, you're not wearing that if you lose. If you do, you are literally not in tune with what's – like, he didn't read the room at all. They would have made so much fun of him if he got pulled in with that jacket on and they had lost. So I guarantee he would have wore, like, a T-shirt – or he had to have a back. I guarantee he had a backup sweatshirt or something. Or he just wore the button up white and just went up there. Cause there and, and and you fold that thing up and you put it in your bag and nobody sees you walk out with it. There's no way you're wearing that to the post game after losing. Granted, people might have saw it in the pregame. You know the videos coming in and you know, but who knows? I didn't see it before, so maybe the Vikings hit it too because they're like, oh shoot, did this dude really just wear this? Okay, let's not post this. Let's just wait. Let's make sure we win before we, before we post Kirk wearing this. Because I didn't see that anywhere on Vikings Twitter. I felt like that would have been the A topic all morning if they had tweeted out Kirk showing up in that outfit to the stadium. So I'm guessing that was not in either he didn't wear it to the stadium and he even knew just in case. Or everybody was like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't tweet this out until after. Because if we tweet this out and he loses, we are going to get killed as an organization. But hey, Julie Cousins, hats off. You called your shot. You babe roofed that thing. You said, you know what? I know my baby's going to hit a home run. Wear the jacket. Screw him. Show them who you are, like T'Challa, when he became Black Panther. That's what I felt like in that moment when Kirk got on stage. But hey, people. Make sure you know, when you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota, you are getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Subscribe to the free Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you find your podcast. And find our videos on Locked On Sports Minnesota's YouTube channel. And we have a word from our sponsors. If you were a Colts fan on Saturday, you probably had a pretty rough time. If you were a Colts better on Saturday, you covered. Colts were three-and-a-half-point underdogs. They lost by three. They covered. You got paid. Didn't matter about the collapse. We found that line. We tracked that line all last week on betonline.net, which is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get all the latest odds and trends. It's college bowl season, NBA and NCAA basketball, uh, and all the NFL lines, of course, at betonline.net. Looking ahead to Vikings-Giants. Vikings favored by three-and-a-half. Against the New York Giants on Saturday, same line as against the Colts, which is weird because the Giants are way better. 
Uh, if you love sports podcasts, you can get those at Bet Online as well. It's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head there today on your mobile device, Bet Online, where the game starts. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, folks, we're into the second part of the Ron Johnson show. And you know what? We we have to talk about the elephant in the room, not the bear in the room. This is the bear. Bear, not you, but cover your ears. The Vikings have lost. Every time they have a big game moment, they lose. Earmuffs. I don't want him to hear it. He's just a little baby. But every time, every single time there's a big moment game. Yeah, he's he's tired now. He's like, I'm, I'm over it. But every time there's a big moment game, Sam, they lose. The next game, they lose from adrenaline. And Kevin O'Connell was asked about this. So as I bring Sam Extram in, we're going we're gonna to talk about the Vikings have been here before and where do they go next. And here's where I go. The Vikings have been here before. They've had the Minneapolis miracle. And then they went to Philadelphia. and We know what happened. They had to grease the poles in Philly because of how bad the Vikings got beat because the fans lost their mind. And then you look at the Buffalo Bills game. They turned around and lost that next week. Every time there's a big win moment, the Vikings, like, and it's just human nature. I don't know if it's just over, like, oh, my God, so we, finally, we finally crossed the threshold, and then they go lay an egg. And Kevin O'Connell was asked directly about this, and that's why I bring this up. This is not like a secret elephant. Kevin O'Connell was even asked. And his response, my players have to grow. And when you think about growth, P.J. Fleck has that. It's G and then R-O-W is capital for row and then T-H, growth. Or sorry, W-T-H. No, I was right. G, G, <laughs> capital R-O-W, <laughs> T-H, growth. I can spell. But but growth, whether you're talking about row the boat growth and growth within the row culture and then growth from Kevin o, it's the same thing. How do I get my players to grow? How do I get my players to understand, okay, we've had a big moment this season with the Bills and a comeback and a, and a, a game that nobody thought we would win because Josh Allen was supposed to be taking a knee, and he fumbles. Justin Jefferson on fourth down, one-handed, the best one-handed catch I've seen. So where do we go from here? Here's the answer. Kevin O'Connell, I think, has one blessing on his side. It's a Saturday game. And it's Christmas Eve. That means the minds are not even tired from the game. They're not even thinking about the last game. They're thinking about how many tickets do I have to get my grandma and her friends? How many tickets do I have to get my wife and her sisters and cousins? What are we doing for Christmas dinner the next day? Is the tree up? Are the kids' presents wrapped? Did the gifts show up that we ordered on Amazon? I don't know. But that's the big key is that they don't have to worry about the game. There's going to be a whiteout. They're going to walk into that stadium. It's going to feel like snow. It's falling in the stadium. It's going to look like snow. All around the stadium, people. I know I am excited for that. I'm going to be wearing, because I got my my gift package. 
I got my gift package from Unreal. So I got the all white. I can't show it yet. It doesn't, it's not supposed to hit the stores and, and the people's faces until 1121, but I got it. So I'm wearing it Sunday. I'm going Sunday relaxed. I'm wearing the hoodie and I'm wearing my suit. And I'm going to have my all white Air Max 270s. Be really relaxed indoors. It's going to feel like snow. But here's where I go with this, Sam. How do they overcome that? How do they overcome that? That's one way. Here's a second way. You go out there and you do what you did in the third quarter, which is you go up-tempo offense. You blitz the quarterback. You play simple coverage, keeping the receivers in front of you. You make sure Harrison Smith is healthy because we know that's a big part of this defense and confusing the quarterback. And when it comes to Saquon Barkley, and if it's a if it's a coverage, sorry, a personnel where it's only two receivers, and there's a fullback and a tight end or two tight ends, they're probably gonna run the ball. So you put all those hats in the box, you back your corners off and play off. Because Daniel Jones is not a guy that's gonna beat you deep. He's not a guy like unless your guy is just beat and torched, he throws a lot of bad balls. And so when you think about that. Play off cup. There's no reason to press and get beat like DJ Shark did. Shark did to uh, Cam Dansler. You just don't do it. But mentally, you got to change the mindset. You have to change the mindset. You have to. The, the mindset has to be, you know what? What did we do? How did we finish the coach game? Let's start the Giants game that way. That's how you don't let it happen. And when he says growth, it's just the players not coming out flat. I hope because of Christmas, everybody's excited. The whiteout. I don't know if the players are going to do a whiteout or it's just the fans, but the Vikings tweeted it out. So who knows if they're going to throw out and they're going to show up in white uniforms or something? Because you can do that. You can you can reach out to the Giants and say, hey, can you guys wear your 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 blue uniforms? Because we want to go all white. We'll see. Or the Vikings wear their purple, but all the like all the players socks are white, the pants are white, gloves and shoes are going to be white. Who knows? But there's going to be something involved in this whiteout with the players as well. But Sam, that that's where I go with it. Like, in order to not let happen, in order for future uh, uh, the future to not repeat itself, or the past, sorry, to not repeat itself in the future, you have to start the game off the way you've never. And and so the first eight minutes, though, Kevin O'Connell is one of the best coaches in the NFL in the first eight minutes this season. His offense is the top five offense in the first eight minutes. But can you replicate that in the third quarter like he did this past week? But in order to grow, I just say that. You come out the gate and you treat it like you're down 33 points out the door. Like the Giants aren't good. They just beat the Washington Commanders, though, but they're not good. But you come out the gate and you say, you know what? We're down 33 points, fellas. Like that's how you tell them, hey, we're down 33 points. We're starting this game like that. Play like you're down 33 points. Play like you have to do everything to win this game. But what do you think? What is your thoughts on that, Sam? Well, if you look at their losses against Philly coming off Green Bay and then against Dallas coming off Buffalo, those are teams that will punish you because they're just so they're so good. Like they'll take mm-hmm. your vulnerability or they'll take your lack of focus and they will just destroy you. New York's not going to destroy you. They hadn't won a game since November 13th until last night. Their offense is the weakest part of their team. Their defense is pretty good. Their coaching is mm-hmm. good. I'm not scared by their offense at all. So I don't think that they have the ability to really put you away. Um, so I think that's good. I mean, I don't think I don't think they're going to get the doors blown off by a Giants team because I don't think the Giants have it in them. Um, sure. y- yeah, I 
I'd like to see special teams really set the tone because they they have taken a little step back of late, and they were a big mm-hmm. reason why things got out of hand against the Colts. Big kick yeah. return to start the game, block punt, just lacks in coverage in those units. So, and that that's a group, that's a unit that can really create a lot of energy, right? Is when you cover a kick really well, when you have a big return. That's what I'd like to see against the Giants. And uh, and getting off to a good start, you're right. Come out with that aggressive nature. And if you can score early, get on the board early and just get the butterflies mm-hmm. out, I think that will go a long way. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the key Saturday. I mean, it, it's another short week. Well, not short because they play Saturday. For them, it's a normal week. But for us, it feels short because right after your work week on Friday, boom, Christmas Eve, you're jumping right into football on Saturday. It's going to be fun, though. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to see the Grinch because that's what I like to do. Uh, it's a it's a, it's a play, I think, at the Children's Theater. So I'm looking forward to going to see the Grinch in, in, in live. Like, hey, that's my guy. I might even wear the T-shirt. He might sign it. But I'm going to see it. Like, you know, it's, it's a joke. Like, my family's like, hey, let's go see the Grinch. And my kids are excited to see it because they, they haven't really seen all the Grinches. Like, I kind of want to watch every Grinch movie this weekend with my kids and just, like, introduce them to all of them like the jim jim carrey grinch uh you know the cartoon grinch is coming on on tuesday uh the newest one so yeah dr seuss is the grinch i mean but but this is one of those games where they're gonna wake up it's a short week per se because it's not a sunday and they have to change that mindset as you said how do we come in this game and not just completely start off flat but this is the thing about the vikings too man this is what i'll say even if they're down 14 points to the Giants, nobody's going anywhere. Nobody's going anywhere. No no fan is going to leave down 14. Even if they're down 14 in the fourth quarter, nobody's leaving. This team has proven, stay with us. Because we have the ability to come back. So I think that's a, a, a great attribute to have in your hometown team. But we got the Daily 3 coming up next. Gotta love the Daily 3. Myself and Sam... We're going to go through it fast pace. But remember, people, check out Locked On Sports, Minnesota's podcast on YouTube. Please subscribe, like, share, continue, wherever you get your podcast as well, though. But following every Twins, Vikings, Wilder Wolves game, our Locked On team hosts are broadcasting live with Team Insiders. Never miss a podcast by subscribing to Locked On Sports, Minnesota on YouTube. And we have a word from our sponsors. Thanks for listening to Ron Johnson today. And for your second listen, Check out Lockdown Sports today. The biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less, plus instant reactions, game recaps, and Locked On's take of the day. Locked On Sports today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. My first daily three question could probably be a whole segment. Was Saturday's game, Ron, better than the Minneapolis Miracle? And if you want, if you have time for this as well, was it better than the Buffalo game earlier this season? Can you compare it to those other two epic Vikings games? Okay, so this is where I go with this. I I, I bought that question up as well in the post game show, and it's tough. It's tough to to because the Minneapolis miracle in the moment I said yes. In the moment I said yes. So so Saturday night I was sitting there, me and Meat Sauce were both arguing yes. But after sleeping on it, waking up twice now. I got to say no. And this is why just the moment of the Minneapolis miracle and what was at stake. 
you know, you lose that game, season's over, you're going home, tears, crying. T-Pain's in the building, you just wasted T-Pain, it's a trip to Minnesota. But you win that game in the most, like, it was not supposed to happen fashion. It was the probability of, of completing that play. The quarterback wasn't your star quarterback. It was your backup in Case Keenum. Um, it, it's not to it. So that that's tough for me. I think a lot of people, the, the Minneapolis Miracle got watered down after they lost to Philly because it just felt like we can't celebrate that. But it's tough to say yes. Now, is it the greatest comeback? Uh, if I can answer, yes. Uh, is a comeback game when I put it higher? Yes. Um, but it's just tough. And, and so as far as the Buffalo game, I, th- I think, yes, it's, it's definitely there because you got 30, you're down 33 at half. And that's never happened before. So the 33 down at half, to me, Buffalo is a little bit more back and forth. Uh, yeah, Josh Allen screwed it up a couple times with the interceptions and the, the fumble on the, on the one-yard line. Uh, the, the Justin Jefferson catch was ridiculous. Um, but the 33 points, uh, even though there wasn't like super, super splashy, like, whoa, look at that one hand again. But the Dalvin Cook run, you know, you see Dalvin Cook take off. You, you see uh, the big pass over the, like it's over the top to KJ Osborne. The, the, the red zone play calling by Kevin O'Connell, the TJ Hawkinson two-point. I mean, just all the little pieces of the play calling that had to go perfect. Because if they don't get the two-point conversion, they did all that for nothing. So in my opinion, I'd say no to the Memphis Miracle, but yes to the Buffalo Bills game. But what do you think? So the the Bills game is so well known for that fumble at the goal line because it was a one in a million play. The Minneapolis Miracle was a one in a million play. Saturday's comeback was a one in a million accomplishment. It wasn't wrapped up into one play. It was the act of coming from behind by 33 points had never yeah. been done. And in, in all of those cases, the Vikings really kind of rewrote history. Um, the Minneapolis miracle meant more. Um, and b- because it was also a home game, it was so special to have a walk-off like that. I think that the miracle is number one and will be number one. I think because this was also at home and the home fans got to witness it, I think it's, it's number two. The difficulty of coming back from 33 down, it just edges out the Buffalo game. Even though I think like the quality of win – over Buffalo is better than beating the Colts. Winning on the road is harder to do. I just think that that it was even crazier what they did on Saturday. Yeah. What you got next? All right. Next, I've got what was the most underrated play from the comeback? A lot to choose from. Most underrated play that people might forget. <sighs> most underrated play. That's a tough one. Um most underrated play. So most underrated play for me. Um, honestly, this is I have it, it doesn't seem right, but I'm going with Kevin O'Connell's choice to not kick the field goal. Like I think him punting and pinning the coach down, forcing them to have to drive an entire field to even get close to field goal range. Um, and then, you know, their defense, because now you put them at like you put them on the defensive, and now you can attack their offense and try to you know, in the game with your defense, maybe even uh, it, it made that it made them tighten up. It made it made, it made Ryan tighten up. It made the play caller tighten up. It made Jeff Saturday tighten up. Like everybody got tight. Um, you put a, a first time play caller for the Colts in there because Frank Wright is gone, and that's a lot of pressure. And then all of a sudden, the Vikings get the ball back. 
and they have a chance to win it with the with 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 the field goal. And then the field goal ends up being the guy that you wanted to cut six weeks ago. So it's it to me that that punt was an underrated play because if he had punted and went to a tie, people would be questioning today, does he have faith in his kicker? Like, why don't you let your kicker win the game and, and you win the NFC North versus winning it off a tie? Also, you tie and you win the NFC North, so who cares? But here's the one. Your kicker still got a chance to redeem himself and win the game for you. So I think that punt, deciding to punt and not putting your defense in a tough position if he misses it and putting a sour feeling in that stadium of another kicker ruins another season or another game, it was the right call. So that kick to me, the punt, and it was a perfect punt. Like it wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't like, oh, he boomed this thing into the, you know, touchback. It was like, man, you're, you're going to make them drive this field. So I think that was an underrated play in my opinion. Um, I, I talked about the KJ Osborne catch in overtime. So that, that, yep. that was my answer, but I'll go with another one. The Justin Jefferson touchdown um, to start the fourth quarter, third and two at the Indianapolis eight. They've got to convert. You can't settle for a mm-hmm. field goal. They need a touchdown. Uh, he runs a sick route on Stefan Gilmore and completely shakes him out of his socks, scores from eight yards out, prevents them from having to face a fourth down inside the 10 that could have been the ball game right there. Mm-hmm. They, they had to score a lot of touchdowns, so some of these kind of get lost in the wash, but Justin Jefferson's route on Gilmore was crazy. Crazy. And uh, he yeah, pulled basically it called two a, it's, a, it's a flat return. For those that hadn't seen it, it's a flat route that you return, and then you, 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 I don't know what you call the second part of that. I don't know if it's a return and juke, or, you know, some people have called it, people call it the shake route. You know, everybody has a different name, but you're basically running a flat and then you're returning underneath. And with that combo, it's normally a flat return with some kind of corner route behind it. That's the concept you want to get because you can run a hitch and in, and you have a corner, or you can run like a hitch corner and then uncover inside, or you can run what he did, which is like a fake flat route return and then corner over the top and what stefan gilmore was doing was guessing he guessed that okay justin jefferson ran the out and then he was going to run under and he tried to jump the under and then justin jefferson had the perfect route called and basically looked at him and walked in and gritty but yeah it, it was a great route it was it was run to perfection perfect play call for the perfect coverage and Kirk cousins said that when they got down by 15 after that score that's when he felt like they had a chance and I think that that I think yeah. that's a lot of fans too. When you got within two scores, last one, I gotta ask you about the Patriots Raiders ending. Jacoby Myers tries to go lateral on the bit in a tie game. He throws it to Chandler Jones for a walk off Raiders win. Talk about crazy finishes. How do you describe what you saw in that game? Uh, one, the first thing that came to mind was you idiot. Um. At that point, you can still go to overtime. At that point, like just go down. Uh, you not only you threw it to Mac Jones. I don't know what you thought Mac Jones was gonna do. Like the person he was trying to throw it to was Mac Jones. Um, this is stupid. Like you idiot. Like what are you doing? Like Bill Belichick, you can see he was just like, "What are y'all? What are y'all doing?" And then he just walks over and shakes that. Like he's just like, "Oh my god!" Like what are you doing? And that's not being like understanding the moment. 
like I get the play and I get, you know, they probably said, Hey, run it up the middle. Cause it, you know, that's all they did was run up the middle. Cause they knew it was going to be prevent, um, you know, and then at that point, the coach said, okay, run in the middle, see what you can get. If you can make a lateral, do it. If not, you know, I'm pretty sure he didn't say throw the interception or whatever you call that because uh, it was a back pass lateral. So it's not really an interception, but I guess maybe they did give him credit for an interception. I don't know. It wasn't a forward pass. So I don't know what you call that. It was just a fumble uh, or, or, or taking the lateral. But it was just dumb. It was dumb. It was dumb because of who you were throwing it to, how far you were up, how far you had to run back just to make that throw. Um, just all of it was dumb. Just go down and play for overtime like or uh, was that overtime that was regulation that was the final was play of the fourth quarter final play of the fourth yeah that's quarter. what i thought yeah yeah so you, you're yeah, gonna get so overtime. overtime yeah like just like what are you doing because other people are like oh why did you let mac jones throw it and, and my guess is they didn't think mac jones could throw it that far like dumb it was just dumb and uh it was the worst finish i've ever seen uh i've seen some called by refs that you like like you know the 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 charles uh woodson sack on tom brady you know, so maybe that's redemption for the Raiders there. The Raiders got redemption because that was a sack. That was not, and that was a fumble. That wasn't a tuck. You know, that was a sack fumble. Uh, and the Raiders got screwed by the Patriots and the refs. So now maybe a little bit of redemption. Patriots paid the Raiders back a favor. Doesn't help though, because the Raiders are like five and eight at that point. So it doesn't, doesn't really matter. Uh, one more win. Hey, great. You're six and eight. Still not good. Uh, but yeah, it was a dumb, it was a whole dumb ending. That was stupid in my opinion. That's what everyone's saying about the Patriots this year is they shoot themselves in the foot so many times, and they did it on Thanksgiving against the Vikings over and over again. Oh, They're yeah. committing penalties. They're roughing punters. And to do that, um, just bizarre. And someone pointed out if if they were just going to run the ball, like clearly the Patriots had no intent on scoring, why didn't you just take a knee? Like why would you even put it in harm's way if you were just going to run the ball up the middle? into a prevent defense so a lot of dumb decisions being made all around yeah i mean that's what i was thinking like you're running the ball so clearly you're you're mailing it in you're not throwing the hail mary or even a hook and ladder like yeah that was dumb but i want to thank everybody who continues to watch listen and download we want to thank you for all your support and remember if you want endless vikings talk make sure you subscribe to locked on sports minnesota on youtube you can also download our app on amazon fire and roku Locked on Sports Minnesota. Just search it, download the app. You'll get all of our videos and all of our shows. And remember, we are a partner of Care 11. You can also see sports director Reggie Wilson. Go back and forth with Luke Emmon. It's fast, it's fun, it's superior sports talk. It's your daily dose of Sports Minnesota fun. Make sure you continue to comment. Let us know Minneapolis Miracle or the Coats Comeback. Which one is bigger in your minds? Let us know what you think. Thank you. And have a great day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.